Good morning. What a time in the presence of God. Amen. Why don't you just lift those hands to the Lord? Because you know the Holy Spirit has had us on a journey. Giving us, he's, he's been giving us piece by piece, week by week. That's why I hope you don't, I hope you don't miss, because when you miss, you miss a piece of the narrative that God has already spoken and desires to come to fruition over this house. And with your hands raised to the Lord, ask the Lord to give you the grace to do what he wants you to do. He's already given you the grace to be what you're supposed to be. And ask the Lord that you would not be deaf in your hearing, but he, your ears would be open to the Holy Spirit. I'm asking this, Father, for this people, especially when we leave this place, not just when we gather in this place. I thank you, Lord, for those you're joining to us. I thank you that you are making room in our hearts for many others to come also. Some are coming from terrible situations, Lord. Others came in here today walking away from horrible conditions broken relationships, failing health, conflict between other people, physical ailments they've been wrestling with. We're asking you today that you would make them whole. And when we receive what we receive, Lord, may we practice what you've spoken. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Come on, let's give God a mighty applause because he is great. Our God is great. Our God is awesome. Our God is marvelous. Hallelujah. Don't you know it, amen? Amen. Please take your seat. I do not, I, I, I really want us to be, I, what can I do? What do you do after a, a, a session like that? You thank God that what you were doing was what I was supposed to tell you. He had no idea what I was speaking about, so what I'll, I'll give you the reference so you can live in it all week so you can practice it. You know, in, in, several weeks ago, the Lord gave us this theme for the first part of this year, altars and answers. We've spoken about it here and there, but I'd, I'd like to make it a little more clear today because God wants you to, he wants to revise your concept of what an altar is and what it's for. But more than that, he wants you to experience the answers you get as a result. What good is the praying if you can't get an answer? If you pray, you have no expectation to get an answer. You're just playing games. You're just being religious. It's false hope. When you pray, God has always acknowledged a place to play, to pray. I, I slipped out and said a place to play. That's been some of our problems have been playing too. <laughs> but God, God always has designated a place to pray. Not just for praying's sake, because God knows you need answers. God help us. And the Holy Spirit, when he begins to work among us and we begin to respond to him in worship, it creates a place for answers to be answered where prayers are prayed. 
Maybe, maybe we've not understood how powerful that is with God. Unfortunately, for those who are more religious than relational, altars could this physical block of stone or maybe it was a communion table in your early days in church or maybe it was a kneeling bench depending on what denomination you grew up in the altar was a place you thought about kneeling that is appropriate in the old testament if you got in trouble if you hit somebody because you were mad you didn't mean to kill them but you killed them it was still manslaughter, and you could run to the temple and grab on to the horns of the altar. And as long as you stayed there, they could not execute judgment on you. But of course, you had to stay there. Altars are represented when you see the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the two angels whose wings would touch as they bowed over the Ark they created the Ark of the Covenant, the place that symbolized where the presence of God dwelt. It was placed on the altar. If you go back to scripture, you start looking up the word altar, it's everywhere. It begins in Genesis. The first time you see the word altar is where Noah, when, he, when the waters have subsided, and finally he's offered that ship, and he don't have to be seasick another day. He gets off there, he's so happy for his feet to touch the ground. One of the things he did, he took some of the wood that from the ark and he made an altar and he sacrificed some animals there unto the Lord. You see that altar was, was something that God did from the very beginning, all the way back actually to Cain and Abel who both had an altar what was the purpose of the altar it was to entreat God to have a relationship with God so everything I'm doing in my life gets blessed because of my relationship with God and that relationship culminated in an altar where you would offer God something in this case God said hey, hey, hey guys I want you to offer a special gift to me Cain and Abel, one who was a farmer and the other who was a herdsman. Bring me something that says you're mine. Offer to me something that proves we're in relationship. Altars are very important. In fact, it's so important until when you offered your offering and you, and you set it on fire. The reason why you set it on fire, because whatever you offered to the Lord was, was now prohibited from, by you, but it was, yeah. If you took from the altar what you gave to God, it would be poison to you. Let me put it another way. If you kept what should have been offered, it became poison to you. But if you offered it, and you, you hadn't just to surrender it, it had to be something from your heart because God always wanted a relationship. He didn't want just actions. That's why no husband just wants good actions. He wants good love. When, they, uh, when those two boys offered their offering on the altar, um, the altar told their business. Cain took some of the things that grew that he was a, he was a, 
he was, of course, he grew things, you see. So he just took some random of the harvest that came and he just picked it and didn't really think about it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I guess I'll go. It's sort of like, I know I got to be there on Sunday, so I guess I'll go. <laughs> mama, if I don't go, mama will be mad with me. Or my wife won't speak to me all week if I don't show up at church. That kind of attitude. So Cain just kind of grabs some stuff, you know, and goes through the motions and, you know, puts them there, you know. Hey, wives, have you ever, don't answer the question, have you ever received a gift that he didn't know what to do, so he just grabbed something and just gave it to you, and you like, you know, you was thinking. And, and for you, it wasn't about the mount, you know, it was kind of what it represented, right? What, what kind of attitude, you know? Remember when y'all didn't have no money? You remember when you didn't have any money at all? And, 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 but he loved you. You knew he loved you. And he didn't know what to give you. So we just stopped in the field to pull the car over. And, and on, a, on a spring day, like yesterday, found some things blooming in the field, picked them up, wrapped up a little ribbon, tied it up, put it in a little vase, and stuck in that little card on it and gave it to you. He was like, oh. Because his heart was in it. And so Cain just grabbed some stuff, put it together, and, and, and brought it to the altar. Likewise, his brother, Cain, uh, not Cain, but Abel, Abel was a herdsman. And he, he, he looked over his, all, all that had harvested, all the new, all, all the new births of, uh, look, found the best, best of the babies. Spotless. Had every sign of being a prize, whether it was a bull or a sheep, he took the best one, slaughtered it before the Lord on the altar and burned it and said, Lord, my best belongs to you. The way that you could tell whether your gift was accepted or not on this altar that God had created was whether or not your smoke went up or in your face. <laughs> Cain, you can find this in Genesis. You can find it, what, chapter 3? Cain, Cain, he, uh, he was coughing. <coughs> that was a real call from the allergy, but <laughs> I'm coming through it. Hurry up, man. You only got a few minutes. So Cain, he, he's, he's angry. The Lord, it wasn't, the, it wasn't that the Lord didn't like Cain or didn't love Cain. He was just reading his heart. Cain, you know, he got, he, he, oh, he was angry. And the Lord said, how do you get angry? He said, if, if, you, if, you, if you do right, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Cain was so angry because he looked over and saw the smoke of his brothers going straight up into heaven. God saying, yeah, I love you too, son. He was so mad, he looked at his brother, and you know, the Bible records the first murder came out of jealousy. The first in-home fighting came out of jealousy. A lot we can say there about 
parents and children and, and, and ch children comparing themselves to one another. That's a horrible thing, by the way. Tell your neighbor, don't you let your children compare themselves to themselves. That's a big mistake. And why did I tell you that story? Because God let the altar tell the story. And all year, you've been contemplating. Many of you have been preparing for your, the offering of your first fruits. Some of you have been rethinking what you do with your tithe, and it's an important thing. It's not the only thing in your life, but it's an important thing in your life. And if you don't think money is important, take all that you got, come bring it here to the church, and I promise you we can use it for good. Amen. And if we say to ourselves we don't need it or want it, we're lying to ourselves. And the Lord has a lot to say for it. In fact, the Lord wants to make your money worship. He wants your money to worship because when, you, when your money worships on the place that he designates, we, we call this today an altar, whatever is placed on the altar, not only is it designated, sanctified for a specific use, but it gets multiplied back to you. Now, that's a big deal. And God doesn't lie about that. In fact, he says, prove me and test me. We talked about this last week. And the altar is a powerful place. Now that I've spent 10 minutes telling you about Cain and Abel and an altar, I'll give you a weekly scripture. Open it up and you can, you can work with it all week long. It's something Jesus said. I want to show you something. Jesus, oh my Lord. John chapter 5 John 5, verses 1 through 9. It's a really subtle but powerful, it's a powerful description of, of the life of Jesus. We bring clarity to everything. It's amazing. And the Bible says that after these things, there was a feast of the Jews and, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was, now there is in Jerusalem by the, check this out, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who are sick and blind and lame and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For the angel of the Lord, for the angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool, say at certain seasons, into the pool and stirred up the water. By the way, we're in one of those seasons right now. Clap your hands if you understand what I'm just saying. We're in one of those seasons. <laughs> Hurry, Flynn. For the angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then, whoever then, first, after the water was stirred, stepped in, was made whole immediately from whatever disease in which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. And then Jesus said, saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition. He said to him, you want to get well? <laughs> this is amazing to me. Now, I'm sorry, but the man laying there, been there for how many years? What's the question Jesus asking? Lord have mercy. 
He has to ask that question because God's people are not good at telling him what they need. He has to ask that question because God's people are in denial. And sometimes when you have a need, you don't want to talk about what you need, let alone ask for what you need. Just in the back of your mind, hope. And he'd been hoping for 38 years. Religiously, he would come, but nothing would happen. So Jesus asked him a very powerful question. What did he ask him, saints? What did he ask him? See, this is the word of the Lord. It has been coming again and again and again all year long. What do you want? What do you want God to do? Is it that you don't have it because you don't think you deserve it? If you don't have it because you think you don't deserve it, you're right. Tell your neighbor, you're right. You don't deserve it. And the last thing you ever want to do is ask God for what you deserve. You don't want to ask God for what you deserve. And that is why grace is so incredibly awesome. And that is why what he's done for you and I is so incredibly powerful and great. And Jesus didn't ask the man, were you good all your life? Who did this to you? You know, who, who abused you? He didn't ask them that question. He wasn't trying to discern from this guy whether he was worth the miracle. He asked the guy, what kind of miracle do you want? Are you all breathing? Are you still reading with me? Let's go home. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he'd been there for a long time, instead of, instead of the Lord taking his foot, you know, and kind of kicking him in the water, he didn't do that. He could have. Can you imagine Jesus got a foot under the guy? Look at what you're doing. What you doing? What you doing? <laughs> Jesus did something that he does to every single one of us. Every single one of us who, 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 who for particularly those who come to church all the time. Because the pool of Bethesda is a special place before the altar. It's a place where, near where they, the sheep that were going to be slaughtered were kept. It's a place where the sacrifice was prepared to offer on the altar. And Jesus comes to him and sees him in his condition. I mean, there are many people there. Are you there? It says there were, it, it, at least it, tradition says there were many divisions that would divide the people according to their needs. Uh, the sick, the blind, the lame, the withered, and, and so on. Jesus knew there were sick people there, many of them there. But the Bible says when Jesus saw him, and I, 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 I appeal to your heart today, if, if you have the faith to hear and believe, that Jesus sees you where you are. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows what you've come through. Some of you are running up here today because of the presence of God. The God begin to stir the water and the spirit of God, and you begin to respond. Yeah, I understand. He, he knows exactly what you have been, what you've done, what you've been through. And he still doesn't ask you a negative question. He doesn't say, hey, come get this person out of here. He doesn't do that. He doesn't start judging people who are laying there wanting a miracle. There's nothing wrong when you're asking God to do something for you, particularly when you can't do it for yourself. Jesus just wants to know one question. Have you got enough courage to admit, what do you want? What do you want me to do? 
It's amazing to me because many people are unable to articulate what they want, describe what they want, name precisely what they want. Some people just cry out, oh God, help me, help me. And God, see, here's the thing. He knows and he sees, but he expects you to articulate. Am I talking to the right people here today? Okay, let's go home then, get busy. Because the Lord says here, he says, the sick man said, sir, check this out. Now listen to the guy. He says, sir, I have no man to put me into the water, to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, excuse me, excuse me, did he say, while I'm coming? Back it up a little bit. I have no man to put me into the water, but while I'm coming, something ain't right. Are you all seeing that? Or did I, did I it was just my imagination. He said, sir, he said, sir, while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Wow. So Jesus, you know, Sometimes people think, if you really think about what he did sometimes, it almost seems cruel. I think it feels, it's, it feels a little bit cruel, but of course, this generation does go by their feelings, don't they? God's going to have to help us with that. God's going to have to destroy that mechanism, our feelings being the gauge of what's good and bad and right and wrong. Uh, but we have to work on that. I know because what, by the time I got there, I know, I'd yielded to temptation. I really shouldn't have gone there. I wish I had more time to go there. But the man said, he, he said, I don't have nobody to help me. But, but what, when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm about, when I'm about to, somebody beat me. And there are, there are so, look, you can, be, you can be in a condition for so long and just learn how to kind of, you know, man, have you ever been just sick? You know you need to go to the doctor. Lord, I'm talking to somebody right now. You know you need to go to the doctor, but you know you just kind of, well, you know, and it's just day after day after day after day after day, and then you kind of find a way to cope with it. I believe that God wants you to recognize that you're so near an altar, and an altar is where anything before God can happen. An altar is, is where God can intervene and what you offer him, God can take and transform. An altar is that place where God causes heaven to touch earth. Where what is dead when you offer it can come alive. And what's alive that needs to die can die. And he's, he's near the altar, so Jesus looks at him and he says to him, after hearing this man's excuse. And by the way, excuses, excuses. Listen, God doesn't answer you because you're pitiful. God doesn't answer you because you're begging. God doesn't answer you because, because you know, you, you've been calling him for so long. Some people have got a, they have got a thing about calling God. We wrote songs about it. Call him up. Tell him what you want. Call him up. <laughs> it, 
it's one thing to make songs about prayers. It's another thing for you to become prayer. You become prayer when you say, Lord, this is exactly what I want. And I came but without you, but this is what I want. This is what I desire. So the Lord says to him, uh, uh, okay, let's go home. Then uh, at third time, that means we're going this time. Amen. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up. I don't hear pity in Jesus' voice. It's not that he hadn't fully, it's not that he hasn't fully understood and evaluated where the man is. He knows, he knows to the molecule where he is, but he doesn't pity him. Jesus doesn't look at him as helpless. Now, Jesus is the, is the almighty. He's the great and powerful, almighty God. But he doesn't look at the man as powerless. He, he speaks to the man. And by the way, when God wants to change your situation and when God answers your prayer, he'll answer it with a word. And, and what did he say? He said, get up. It's amazing when God speaks to you, you're asking God to answer it. I, I want you to answer the, I want my, my marriage is so horrible. I, 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 want, I want to get out of my marriage because I can't stand. When you're praying that way, you know. Oh, nobody responded. Okay. Uh, when, 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 when you're praying, my child, Lord, my child, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with my child. I just, I, Lord, I, if I could kill him and still go to heaven, I would. But, Lord, some, some parents feel that way at times. Some of these parents ain't laughing because they know they feel they, they understand. You know, they, they, really, they really are, a lot of parents, many parents are actually guilty of child abuse in their mind. Amen. All right, so. Lord, you got to do something about it. You know, Jesus looks at this man who has been there for how many years? I can't even fathom that. I, I, I'm trying to get my mind around it because actually in the scripture 38, 38 to 40 is really the number that that's, that's like permanent career change. So what does the Lord say to him? He said, get up. And I believe that God is saying that to most of us in this building today. Get up and do what you know you are supposed to do. Quit crying to me about how much money you don't make. Get up. Quit moaning and groaning about the place where you stay. Get up. Quit bickering. Quit, quit bickering about the person you, you made a decision to marry. I want you to get up. You're going to do something different. I'm going to put the power in your hand by the word I speak. He said, get first, number one, get up. What's number two? Pick up your bed. In other words, what I want you to do, I want you to get up from where you are, and the thing that's been holding you, I want you to hold it. And the third thing, I, I, this is my rendition, I want you to step up. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. Now, I don't know how much movement he had. He did say something about just about when I'm just about to get in and somebody beat me. So I'm not sure. We assume he had some movement. And 
unfortunately, this is a, this is a, a classic case of, of, of all of us when we pray, when we have the power to, to initiate the change, but we need the Lord to speak to us and we need action from our part. And that's why when, we, when it comes to your financial situation and you're sick of it, you're tired of it, it has many facets. Your financial situation is a conglomerate of, of, of your training, where you work, your work ethic, your, you know, your attitude when you work. Your financial situation is a, is a conglomerate of what you think a lot is or a little is. Where you are financially encompasses what you think a really good career is or what God told you to be doing. You didn't want to do that because you didn't think there was no money in that, but that's what you're skilled at and that's what you're great at. But you, you're over here trying to make bank over here on another field and you're not, you, you're not, you don't even like it. But you cry, Lord, I, you know, you promised me to, well, maybe he's saying to you, get up and get out of there. I'm sorry, I'm not. Maybe he's saying you need to pick up your, pick up your, 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 what is that? Computer, get your tools, leave that situation and step up to something I have for you. Jesus said, get up, pick up what you got there. And, and he says, walk. And the Bible says, interesting on verse nine, immediately. What is, what is that word? It what? Immediately. The man what? Look at your neighbor. He what? He became well, and he picked up his path, and he began to walk. Now, the reason why I gave, I'm giving you this because he's by the altar. So I'm going to put it to you a different way. I hope you can see it. The altar, he couldn't get to the altar, so the altar came to him. Who is Jesus. For the altar is whether you wherever you obey God, wherever you are giving to God, whenever you are talking to God, wherever God is talking to you, when, whenever and wherever you are obeying God, that place is an altar. And God has created that for answers. Read on down further and say, everybody look at him and say, ain't you the one, but why, how are you walking? One reason why it's so incredibly important for you to obey God during this time. Because what God does with your obedience, what God does with your obedience is going to give glory to his name. And other people are going to get to know and get to experience the master you have experienced. This goes particularly for people who are in church. I think this was given to us by the Lord for those that belong to him, who love him, but they've been stuck. Stuck in a place when they feel like they can't get out without doing something bad. So I know I can make some quick money real quick. Hello. Look at your name and say, you know what? You know, don't you? You know where you can get. You know where that market is, don't you? You know where you can go to get what you need quick. Hello. You know how you can go make some fast cash if you really want to make some fast cash. Okay, to be honest, I want y'all to know that everybody in here didn't come from uptown. Everybody, and most folk in here came from, mm -hmm. Raise your hand if you know where to get some fast cash. Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Just raise your hand.
said, I know we're to make some quick money. I, we, I, we can make some money quick. You look, look at their faces, oh, baby, look at their faces. We're talking about the children, the peoples of God. We're talking about the... I want you today, I want you to connect what you want God to do. I want you to connect what you want God to do. Where's my, where's my keyboard player? Jarrell, help me, man. If you play, I'll, I'll stop. I, I want... <laughs> Hey, Jarrell, are you, are you back there? Anyway, he's coming. Look, look, I want you to connect what you want God to do to what he's telling you to do. It's at that juncture we call an altar. Because the A-L-T-A-R, when you go there, God will A-L-T-E-R. change you. You think that man laying there for 38 years, can you imagine? We didn't even talk about bed sores, did we? Change your life. And such it is with you if you will allow God, if you will allow the Lord. And so if, look, as you're giving, this is first fruit season, don't, don't, don't you dare diminish that. Because whatever is in your heart, because no one's telling you what to do. Nobody's telling you how much. It's not about that. It's what's in your heart. That's what God was reading in Cain. That's what God was reading in Abel. He was reading their heart. Their outward action was just an inward conviction of, the, of, of what they thought about God and what they thought about their life, what they thought about their well-being. Don't you dare diminish it. God has given us that to us that we might experience his economy. It's called his kingdom. So that when everything else is turning upside down, the God of creation is sustaining you and you're going right side up. And you, I'm saying this to you, it's, it's extremely important now because Oh my God, if you're, just, if you're in tune at all with what's going on in the world, what's going on in this economy, what's going on in politics, what's going on in education, what's going on in business, things that touch our very lives every day, you're going to need God's kingdom in your life. So don't miss this one because God wants you to lead in this one. He wants other people to see your prosperity. He needs you to lead in this. And yes, you better believe it. It adds to the vision that God has given the house of God. To churches all over America. It is, it's, we, we ought to be, we ought to be the ones who are releasing the top in business the top in income earners, the top in innovation and creativity, the top in recovery from horrible diseases. The church should be that. Don't you for a moment diminish a season when God says, I want 
I want you to offer something out of your heart that represents your love for me. And I want, I'm going to call it, he calls it a first fruit. Make it the best. Don't, don't make it cheap. Your heart's not cheap. He's not cheap. And let the same principle come over into your whole life because right now, oh, Lord Jesus, if you listen to the forecast, you know, the economy's been up quite a bit, but no, this is amazing to me. While the economy is still creeping up, you have others who are saying, well, it ain't going to be up long. <laughs> you got a river of negativity flowing out of the mouth of networks telling you how bad it's going to be. If you listen to them, if that's the source of your, of your credibility, if that's the source of your information, you got problems. I'd suggest that you turn your ear to a different voice. Okay, we got to go. You guys are really good. You indulged me for 35 minutes. That was awesome. So you take this passage, you check that out. You look at things. Oh, Lord, you, you did tell him, didn't you? And go on down a little further when you see how God just turned that man's life right side up. He said, well, I've been in this church for so many years, and, you know, some things are just seem like they're just the same, you know? Well, this is for you. And your children. And your children's children. Take the hand of the person sitting next to you. Because some of you need it. And, and others of you have been tiptoeing around this water. You got your little pinky toe stuck in this water over here called Metro. You're like, ooh, that, ooh, Lord, that helped my pinky toe so much. But you're not in. You ain't all the way in. You ain't, you ain't all the way in. You know. And I want to talk to you. Because I, I want to say to you that if, you, if you're hearing the voice of the Lord and he's speaking to you, and by the way, I, uh, this is something I should say to you. It's not really a secret, but some people don't know it. But what happens is God helps us to draw people who love him but who hate the church. Y'all know there's a whole lot of people out there who love God, but they can't stand them church. Talk to yourselves. And look at each other and say, and you're the answer to them. You're the answer for them. Pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, there's some people that need to get up from their situation. They need to get up from some relationships. They need to get up and get out of some situations that are so negative in their life. You've been tugging on their hearts. And Lord, you brought them this morning so they can hear this word today. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for speaking to them. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit who brings that incredible conviction, that confidence of knowing what we're supposed to do upon their lives. May they have courage to do so, Lord, today. Oh, God, even this week, show them what, where they should be, where they should get up where they should pick up. Some people need to pick up where they left off and continue and not rest where they were. Show them, Lord. And show them, Lord, those that should step up from where they've been to a whole nother place, level of obedience, another place of even of giving. 
Let them see it and let them step into it. And then, Lord, just bless them the way you blessed him. And immediately the Bible says, Father, let it be for your people. Immediately he got up. Let it be so today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.